Hi, welcome to Conversations with Sammy. I am your host, and I'm so glad you're here. I believe in the miraculous impact of a powerful storytelling. And right here is where I invite everyday people like you and I to share their real, raw, and unedited journeys. In our conversations, we express our feelings, we celebrate our struggles, we share our visions, and together we aim to live a more fulfilling life. In this conversation, I speak with Neil. Neil is a British artist, illustrator, and visionary whose work is dedicated to the truth vibrations. In our conversation, we dive into the mind, spirit, and body connection, the forces that are driving humanity, the great awakening of the people, and the higher state of consciousness. Enjoy. Hello. Hello, Neil. Welcome. Hello. I got in there in the end. (laughs) I figured. That is me and technology all over. (laughs) We're doing good. You know, sometimes when I send it through an app and not through the text, through your um, phone, the real phone company service, it's sometimes wobbly, but here we are. So thank you for coming, for being That's here. That's great. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, yeah. uh, I've, got a, I've got a nice cup of tea and uh, a herbal tea. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all yours for an hour or so. So that's great. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I just briefly want to say... Um, how I came across you, how I, how I discovered you. And I told you, but I want to tell on my um, episode that I bought a book uh, written by David Icke for the first time ever. I found out about him in March of this year, the beginning of the whole COVID situation. And like uh-huh. I said, you know, it's, a, it's my time. My time has come to awaken and to begin looking at this world, the system, and everything around me um, in different ways. And I am eager to seek the truth. And I'm really um, excited to keep discovering these new artists like yourself, new authors, new speakers, which is new to me. Perhaps not it's so new <laughs> in general. But uh-huh. um, yeah, Neil, I am curious, actually, how did you met David Icke? How did you come to work with him? Oh, wow. Well, that must have been um, 20... 20 odd years ago, uh, early 90s, we met uh, as as people do meet, uh, you know, from from my experience, we we meet through what we love doing the most. Mm. And I was uh, a young illustrator, illustrating books while I was based in London. And I was also a uh, postgraduate student at the time. And I was making imagery illustrations uh, and paintings and some of the stuff that I was doing was becoming a little bit more interesting a bit more bizarre compared to the kind of commercial stuff that I'd been doing for years so um, I what I ended up doing uh, was getting into things like mythology I was looking at other artists illustrators painters like William Blake from from the um, 18th 17th century and um and i made a couple of images and i'd i'd read a book by david back in the early 90s called robots rebellion which is very appropriate isn't it now when you think about what's happening Mm -hmm. and i wrote to the I, i wrote then to the publishing company and i sent some 
postcards of my work. And what happened, I suppose, uh, within a matter of weeks, somebody had contacted me and said, um, would you be available to go to a meeting? Um, and this meeting was to do with setting up a, a magazine or something. And that's how we met. We, we met through my art. He'd, he'd taken an interest in something that I'd sent him, which was a, a painting of the of the earth and a painting of the moon that was being moved towards the earth by a demonic-like entity. I had other things in there as well, but that was the image back in 1993. And that image also ended up in a, a catalogue uh, back then for student, postgraduate students, a catalogue of best of British illustration. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that's that was one of the you know, initial things that, that connected us. But there, there were other things later, but it was the art, really, Sammy. It was the paintings. Yeah, yeah. amazing. And, um, yeah, the book I got is called Remember Who You Are, and your art is right there on the cover, which is beautiful. And then there's a brief um, explanation of, a, of who you are, and there's a, your image and your name. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I really want to look at his art because your art is all over the book, and I assume it's all over David's books it just goes hands in hand like you said about what he's talking about yeah and what you envision yeah. that book funnily enough that 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 book is one of my favorites over the years i mean over the past couple of decades i've i've illustrated quite a few books and um, I've, I've illustrated uh, quite a few for david as well but that that one is is definitely uh, uh one of my favorites because it was at such a pivotal time as well when things were changing in terms of information and I was in terms of my own work and paintings I was I just started to rediscover larger scale canvas paintings that I'd, I'd not been doing for a while at that point I was doing lots of illustration work and there's you know there's a there's a there's a difference in scale and size when it comes to painting and illustrating so um, in fact I still have the original cover here with me of that of that that particular um, piece of work for that book and the, obviously the colour section and the subjects and the content. Yeah, 20, 2010, 2011 and 2012, were you know, they, they were real kind of pivotal years in terms of consciousness, I think, for a lot of people, just as it is now, really. There's, there was a, there's almost like waves of consciousness where people start to wake up in waves. And we had, we had waves of people back in the 90s. I, I was quite fortunate, really, because I, I always felt that I was aware of things from a ch from childhood, um, I was aware of uh, otherworldly, other dimensions, other information, um, and we can talk about that if you like. Um, and yeah. then, as you know, as I kind of matured as such, um, I was still aware of it, but obviously other things take priority, like raising families and stuff like that. So you you end up then coming back to things, and when you come back to it which I which I did. It was always there, but I really came back to it around that time and did quite a lot of traveling as well. I noticed a, a, a new wave of consciousness where people, different types of people, much broader audience, of, you know, all walks of life had, were, was now accessing this, uh, this knowledge, this, this information and wanted to... Um, you know, wanted to know the truth and wanted to know what was really going on. And, and not only that, wanted to, this most important thing with art is to connect with spirit. So there was that going on. And then this time round, let's say now 10 years later, 2020, oh my goodness, I mean, the, the amount of people that are waking up and there are still a lot of people that, that are uh, 
that are fast asleep. But I don't even think that they're going to be left out in terms of the, uh, the awakening that's occurring. So it's been waves, Sammy, waves. And art, for me, of course, has been a crucial way of measuring that wave, that ebb and flow of that awakening. Because I've, I've practiced it through my image making, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I, I also like how um, your art is called um, spiritual and neo-shamanic. I think that's a really cool, cool name, neo-shamanic. Um, and just looking at your art is like, oh my goodness, there, it's like a world in there. It's, it's universe. It's, there's a story. And um, I love when you said in one of your, I think, um, documentaries, when you talked about your art, you said, you know, art to you is painting what you cannot see but yet you envision all these beautiful things. So I'm quite curious. Um, you mentioned as, as, as when you were young, um, you were just open to this exploration mm. and exploring, even though we live in this, you know, kind of three-dimensional, five-sense world driven. But it was just, it's so amazing for me that you from little days just knew um, that there is more than this world, you know, like you said, raising families and all, which is totally fine. And that's a beauty of life. Yeah. But tell me a bit. Go ahead. No, yeah, no, I'm laughing because it. what you were saying is true. I mean, there, there is more to life than all of the things that we think are important. And, you know, the physical world is important. Of course it is, because without it, you you need a symbionts with everything else. There's there, there is there is a physical world. There's a there's a, a, a world that relates to the mind, which you know, can relate to um, body and soul and, and spirit. And then there's other worlds that are accessed through, through the imagination and, uh, and other ways in which we can access those worlds as through uh, people would meditate. Maybe some people would do hallucinogenics. I mean, there's also all sorts of methods and ways um, to, to access those things. Now, as a child, I, I felt naturally in some ways tapped into this, otherworldly um, existence I, I was I was seeing things as a kid which I, was, I suppose I was naturally psychic in some ways you know I was I was seeing things that that were that stay with me now even even in, as an adult as you know a, a bloke in his 50s uh, I still think about those things I, I saw as a kid which were quite vivid and bright and and lucid and also dreamlike. So there's that world that is there. It's a kind of a spirit world, let's say, to keep it simple. And that spirit world, for me, is always trying to um, find a way in which it can take form. Uh, not always through malicious reasons. There is, there is, a, there is a sense of, uh, of a nefarious activity there sometimes, but it's not always like that. It's it's part of your spirit or our spirit or my spirit, everybody's collective spirit, the, the human spirit that is anchored in, an, in other worlds. It's, so in other words, you know, we're not, we're not all that we think we are. We're not all flesh and bone and our jobs and our family and our, our bank account and all the rest of it. We're, we're, we are much more besides. And sometimes we have to go through some real shitty situations to get to realize that i i've been through i've had i've had some you know situations which are which are 
uh, more about emotional and astral kind of development. But but generally from from childhood, I was always aware that there was something there. And um, it reminds me of this Pablo Picasso quote uh, from from years ago, I think in terms of art and what I was, I've been trying to do, especially in the last 20 years, he said something like, um, I, um, I think he said, the function of art was to give spirits form in order to build up psychic strength to survive and develop in life. And it was something like that, that I, I kind of understood um, as, a, as an art student. But then I suppose I got into other things like studying Native American mythology and philosophy and um, you know kind of gnostic teachings and all the rest of it over the years and there were certain things that also touched my my soul or my spirit things that i i knew were crucial to who i was as a human being and as a spirit and, and so on and there was there's a couple of things i remember i remember um reading about different medicine men or medicine women and shamans and that's where the neo-shamanic thing comes from because i was always interested in shamanism as an artist but i never really saw myself as a shaman i'm, I'm i i love the idea of it but my god i mean shamans as we understand them are, uh, they, they they really do go through an awful lot usually to get to the point where they're accessing other things i can't say i've been through an awful lot in terms of the past uh, but um, I, I definitely had a natural ability to tune into to other sources of information, you know, into spirit. Making things, you know, kind of tangible in this physical world was the hardest thing for most artists. And I love that challenge. Do you know what I mean, Sammy? I really love that challenge of trying to make things that you can't see into, into, into the visible form for people to see. You know, art was never really for me about just painting pictures, you know, like painting it as much as I can appreciate the technicality of painting a portrait or or doing other things. It was it was never like that for me. It was more about channeling information, spirit, different different sources of information. Sometimes you access it through nature, but more often than not, it's accessed through your own way of visionary seeing in your, your imagination. I think, I think it was Black Elk, that, um, that Sioux medicine man back in the um, 19th century. I think he said something like, um, it's like seeing in a sacred manner or something, the sacred manner and the shape of all things in spirit. And it was, for me, it was like that. That's the kind of stuff I was seeing as a kid. You know, walking in a cornfield for me was, as, as, a, as an eight-year-old um, was, wow. <laughs> I could see other levels and other, call it vibrationary fields, or maybe somebody might call it lights or orbs, or, but I could see other things. And, um, and I used to see interesting characters appear every now and again. So this was all before any, any kind of, anybody could accuse you of saying, you were on drugs, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, innocent children playing in, in fields. Uh, I grew up in the countryside. Uh, kind of council estate, semi-rough council estates, but in, in the north of England where there's lots of countryside around you. So uh, I had access to, um, to back then, you know, it was, there was none of this kind of, it wasn't a digital internet world. It was playing in fields. And I always joke about, I joke about it now with, with art students. I say, you know, I grew up on a, 
on a, uh, a, North, a North England, uh, Yorkshire Indian reservation <laughs> mm -hmm. as, as a joke, you know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not only do you do art, you also, you have books that you've written and you do lectures. And actually, earlier today, I watched one of your lectures um, on archetypes of super consciousness. And I... Oh, yeah. It was really cool. Um, some of that I'm already familiar. A lot of the terms, like the words you even used, I was like, whoa, what is that? So I took a lot of notes just to do my own research. But, you know, the stuff that I'm relating to, like what you talk about or what David talks about, still so many people, you know, they look at us like mad, mad guys, like greatest conspiracy theorists. And and um, I, I see how it's, difficult for for people to to tap into that it's a lot of information that's just been hidden for for centuries and mm. i do want to dive in into some of some of what you talk about in your books and your lectures neil mm -hmm. um particularly about even touching on today's uh, you know situation the agenda behind it or the um artificial intelligence and what that is and mm. you know to me is like the more I know about things like that, the more I can choose, like I can think for myself, therefore I make a different choice rather than what I think I should be doing or I think how I should be acting. And to me, that's freedom. So my purpose for our chat is to maybe tap whoever is curious and searching for answers and just doubting themselves that it's okay. It's okay to mm. think differently and to be... Um, to, to seek this information, because to me, it speaks um, a lot. I think my time has come. Like I said, I'm open to new sources. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and I really appreciate you for, for doing what you do um, out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, uh, there's so much you, you could talk about. Um, I, I've, 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 written, I've written three academic books which uh, to, one of them is is very much about art and soul connections and seeing how we how we see and it looks at art and it looks at philosophy and, and symbolism and uh, and then I also wrote a book years ago which is sadly out of print now which was called Journeys in the Dreamtime which also looked at an alternative art history with the same kind of subjects um, and and touched on what was happening back then. But in recent, um, just just recently, I mean, it's out now. It's just come out this month. Um, oh, well, actually, last month it came out. Um, but I wrote a book about Orion called Orion's Door, mm -hmm. which looks at archetypes and uh, and how that particular uh, constellation is actually affected humanity on on a massive scale. I mean, not in a way that we would people would automatically think. But there is a there's been a huge focus by humanity on the um, on the Orion constellation, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But and also I've I've written books that have not that are uh, fiction. I've written a few graphic novels or illustrated stories, which is a better way of describing them, which looks at a um, a mythological um, series um, of of stories that are re that relate to different. Uh, levels of consciousness and how different consciousness is affecting how our world, our our physical world today, 
And I called those the Kokoro Chronicles because they, they revolve around these fictional characters, which are actually based on studying mythology and, and, uh, and, and religion and, and symbolism. But I've given them a kind of a, um, I've, I've modernized, for example, the ancient understanding of, the, of say, the, the lion gods of Egypt and going further back into the Paleolithic period where you would have these wonderful pieces of portable art of what looked like lion-headed humanoids. I've given them life. I've, br I've brought them into this world in terms of putting them part of a narrative. In fact, those three books could easily be like a mini um, sort of Avatar meets Star Wars kind of story with lots of characters in them. There's a, there's a, a beastry that goes, uh, goes with them as well. So you can, it explains all of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm torn quite often between books that are um, a fictional based. And then, and then obviously I like to do lots of research and I like to look at what's going on in the world, of course. And, and so I, I put together a Ryan's door, which as you say, a minute ago, you were talking about AI and, um, and the way in which the world is going. And you've got all this stuff going on as well with this apparent virus. And um, I've looked at that and, and, I, and I spent, before all that kind of happened this year, I'd been researching and, researching and writing Orion's Door uh, and, and closely looking at the subjects because I was interested in the symbolism and why, did it, why was there such a big focus on it? So, you know, when you've painted pictures going back 20 years and there's a couple of pictures where, a couple of canvases where Orion's cropped up massively into the subjects and I've, I've given lectures uh, in recent years about it, I thought it was time to condense it into a book. It's a 700-page book. So, um, you know, my goodness, Sammy, there's, there's a lot going on there in terms of star worship, um, religious structures and control in terms of blueprints for the mind. You could see it as a, um, a, a, an overlapping or overarching uh, duality blueprint. I'll give you a little modern example. It's, it's quite interesting. Once you start looking around at, at the modern day world and you start to question if, if you're searching now and looking at things and you know there's something quite wrong and you think well I don't know what it is but there's something doesn't feel right if you look at politics for example look at America recently with this uh, presidential um, election why is there only two sides in America why is there only a choice between red and blue which are your main focus why is there this this polarity in lots of areas you know it, doesn't matter whether it's the top two universities or whether it's the top two sports uh, teams there's a, there's a kind of a duality blueprint which is going on and you see that in in lots of areas whether it's good and evil generally you know um, as as above so below there's this this kind of many leveled understanding of um of how our world apparently seems to be structured in a non-physical way before it becomes physical. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like mm -hmm. there, is, there are archetypes, yes, and, and archetypes grow with us and they're part of being a human. Um, you know, there's, there's people studied archetypes like Jung um, and they've looked at the different types of, of archetypes. But how do we not know that many of the things that we are, we are in, that's influencing us, that we kind of accept as reality in this in this physical world aren't coming from unseen realities which are um, almost like downloads like in that matrix movie you know when they download information mm -hmm. and they and it becomes their physical world mm -hmm. i've speculated in the book that 
a lot of what we accept as reality on one level it, it is almost like a kind of blueprints that we interact with and download as part of our um, physical world. And so to do that, we must accept at some point that we're not just physical because otherwise we, we, we'd almost be like a, a toy that's, you know, an, a toy on its own in a room that doesn't interact with the child that, you know, that has the toy. It just becomes this toy that doesn't do anything um, unless you start to use your imagination and imagine the toy as, as a life of its own. And, and what I'm trying to say is that we are animated in many ways by, by other worlds, other forces that are around us. And one example is um, when you hear the term, when you're studying things like Gnosticism or the Gnostics, which are, were a, um, a kind of a, a, a pre-Christian, um, but, in, but eventually in, later on inspired by Christianity, philosophical group that came out of the ancient Levant in places like Palestine and, um, and Syria and Iraq and, uh, and what is now, you know, the greater Israel, those areas. Um, these people were, were talking about a, an understanding of how the world was constructed and how the world was um, a kind of a, almost a, a play for forces that, that were at work on a stage, invisible forces. And they talk about humanity or the original spirit of humanity being connected to something um, that is the, they call the anthropos, which is, when you look at it, it, it is a... Um, a way of understanding it is to understand how energy and vibration and different frequency constructs our world. And they also had other names for, for things like the mind, the human mind. It was called noose. And the mind would interact with the anthropos. And, and then they had other Greek names for wisdom, Sophia in Greek. And, and this was a goddess-like energy. Um, and there's many, much more besides um, and all of these things were interacting and creating um, our physical world. And I suppose what I've tried to do is understand that, understand the mechanics of that. And as I was trying to understand it, and I'd spent quite a few years looking at Gnostic teachings and where certain strands of Gnosticism emerged um, through, through our history, uh, I started to keep, I started stumbling all the time across uh, the Orion constellation. It seemed a prominent focus. And, and there you have it, really. It, it, it is a major focus and it, it, it tends to filter into everything that, that relates to um, pre-Christian, Christian, Judaism. There's elements of it in Islam. Um, it's massively focused on in, in pagan areas, Native American especially, and... Um, and obviously Egypt, Samaria, and some of, you know, some of the ancient civilizations were, were focused on Orion. Obviously, one of the greatest examples, which is, you know, is up for debate, and I'm not an expert, but is the, um, the, the Orion correlation in relationship to the pyramids in Egypt and other places. There's plenty of examples of that. So I, and that's where art and the stars and science tends to come together you know, in that way. There seems to be kind of this um, union of all these areas that that become uh, a focus for advanced civilizations. But I kept coming back to Orion, to Sirius, and to and a couple of other constellations as well, all centered around that part of the astrological map that you probably know as Taurus and Orion. And you've got, um, you've got Gemini as well there, Lepus, 
and Sirius, you know, that kind of winter triangle, that area of the um, astrological wheel, which is, uh, yeah, it's huge. As I show in the book, it, it connects to everything that relates to pagan, the pagan um, cycles of worship from, from the summer solstice right through to Saturnalia, which was the Roman focus on, on Saturn, but much more besides, including Orion. And Orion seems to be this overarching kind of um, next level of information that, that seems to connect to some, some of the other celestial bodies like our Sun and Jupiter and Saturn, not least in variations of the Kabbalah, which is um, you've got variations of that. You've got the Judaic one, um, which is much older, and um, and then you've got the one I focused on in the book more is the Hermetic Kabbalah, spelt with a Q, which gave us the uh, you know sort of the Wicca and um, Hermetic stroke Freemasonic secret societies like the Golden Dawn and other and others that were around before that as well in 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 the Renaissance period up through to the seventeenth um, century in Europe. So yeah, as an artist and as a thinker. Um, and I, I, I don't often see myself, uh, I don't really see myself as a writer. I love writing, but I'm, you know, as an artist and a philosopher, thinker, or whatever you want to call it, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm just really, when I'm into a subject, I just, I really want to know as much about it as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. You must, you know, think like that. And, and other people must, when you get into something, you try, you want to uncover more. Mm-hmm. And there's always more to know, isn't there? That's the old point, point of gnosis. It's, it means to know yourself yeah. in that way. And that's what the Gnostics were trying to do. They were, it was the greatest teaching was to know thyself, which I'm sure is uh, people, will, anybody who's listening will, to this will realise that's one of the greatest quotes in the, you know, from a, from a Christian point of view. Yeah, thank you. For how do you do that? that? That's the question is, how do you know yourself? Yeah. That's hard, isn't it? That's really tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do we choose our truth? Um, there's um, a lot out there to many sides. And, you know, you describe beautifully how, you know, living in the USA, how is this division just everywhere in all these movements created to me? It's not to unite. It's to just keep people apart. And it's working. And, you yeah, know, I... I take no sides no more. I, I see it as it is, and um, I just stand my truth. I, I too do not participate in the riots, protests. I I observe. Um, mm-hmm. Don't take sides. I it just works better for me to keep my own sanity and to keep. Well, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You you you. Um, I mean, what you fight, you can become anyway. And, um, and, and in some ways, you have to find your own natural rhythm. And, wh- and what I mean by that, I don't mean dancing, which is a great thing to do. Uh, but I, I mean, a, your energetic rhythm, which involves, you know, your own psychic compass and, uh, and the way in which you read intuitively what's going on around you. And that's difficult to do if you, for example been through a you know a, a lifetime uh, of other factors influencing you from from addiction to abuse you know all those things that can get in your into in the way of your life they become part of your life but they they can that they, they can prevent you from actually finding that rhythm and sometimes we have to experience tough situations to break through to find that that creative life force 
and how that's meant to be, uh, you know, crucial to how we, um, how we, how we map that compass and how we do the things that we do. It's like, in, I suppose it's, it's like watching the, you know, listening to the body and thinking about internal timings. And um, there was an old American Indian thing that related to the, your hour of power, uh, where you would actually find you, you were so in tune with yourself that you would find a point in, you know, a time in, in, in the day, which was the best time for you to be able to do things, whether it was write music or make music or art or poetry or this kind of thing that we're doing now. Or, do you know what I mean? It was kind of like a, a crucial place where you'd find a platform to elevate your life. So the mundane becomes much more interesting, you know, much more transformative rather than um, just everyday drudgery of doing, going through the motions. We're not robots, but the forces that are, um, that are at play at the moment would like us all to be robots because um, they are very robot-like. The, you know, the forces, the AI stuff that you were touching on earlier is very much um, what it is. It is lifeless intelligence, very clever, but lifeless intelligence. And uh, it's looking for a way to... Um, to change and manipulate this this reality, in that sense. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't know whether or not you you know you've you've looked at the the depth of that. I, when I was writing the book um, and I was looking into um, AI, I started to come across things that were, you know, wow! I didn't realize how much money was being spent. And, and even today, we've had announcements on the news in the UK that the our British government is talking about investing billions on AI to, to, to run our lives, basically, you know, to, to watch over us and to and interact and also for, obviously, military uh, operations as well. Mm -hmm. So the world is very much focused on everything that's artificial and uh, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good for the human spirit. You know, yeah. technology is invading our world and, and it's alive um, in fact, you know what, Sammy, there was, there was, as I was writing the book, there was a, um, there was a lovely little interview and it's doing the rounds on social media with the musician, David Bowie. And uh, he was, uh, he was being interviewed in the UK back in 1999. Um, uh, it, it was at that crucial time when, if you, whether you were, whether you were, you know, you, I don't know what age you were then, but the internet was just starting to get going. It, it was, it was just you know, in terms of personal computers, we'd had we'd had those for nearly eight or nine years, and then the internet was 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 around since around ninety six, ninety seven, um, and it started to get to that point in nineteen ninety nine where things looked like you know we were going into a new millennium, which we were. And in this interview, Bowie was talking about the the trouble with technology and how how ecstatic but terrifying it would be. It would be in the future. And when the, um, the interviewer was a famous journalist in the UK called Jeremy Paxman, asked him, said to him, well, it's just a tool, isn't it? It's just, you know, it's just, it's just another tool. And he went, oh, no, 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 jokingly smiling. But you could see he was onto something. He said, oh, no, it's a, li it's a living, it, it's an alien, it's alive, it's living. And he meant the internet. And that's, you know, that was back in 1999. Mm. And look how much our things have changed since then, how dramatic the world has um, as, 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 as become anybody born in the fifties and sixties. I mean, they, if they're still around by 2040, they're not going to recognize the world. 
Oh my goodness, yes. And I can't recall who was the man who that I wrote, not wrote, but they read a quote that said, um, probably in back in the 50s that said, you know, a phone will become the part of the man. And there were already visions, uh, projections way back in time that this time we were in is coming. And I'd love for you to dive in more, Neil, um, through your research, through through your um, what you know about how is this technology affecting us? Because it is fascinating to many people. And the more there is, the happier, the more it seems like it's helping us, it's evolving. But I see it very differently. It's it's um it's misleading, it, yeah. like you said. It's it, it's it's yeah, it's 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 misleading, but it's it's sadly it's very much part of uh where one branch of humanity wants to go. And and when I say a branch, I mean there's a there's a level of uh, reality that that would 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 probably consume as much of that uh, AI um, assimilation as it could. I mean, you know, the idea of the transhumanist um, concepts coming out of places like Silicon Valley and, um, and NASA and and other areas around the world. Those things are um, that, that that particular um, uh, it's intelligence. Let's say there's there's three different types of artificial intelligence, but that type of intelligence, humanity seems to be lapping it up. And um, I don't know whether you remember. I mean, I spend a lot of time looking as part of the creative process. I love movies. I've always loved movies, and especially um, science fiction genre. And um, do you remember the, um, the, I don't know whether you've ever seen the Terminator movies. Do you remember oh, the yeah. Terminator Genesis? And, and there was one of those where, um, is it John O'Connor, where, where somebody, he, he, he goes back from, from the future to where Genesis was launched and, um, and when Skynet took over. But there's a period just before that, and I can't remember the quote exactly, um, but, he, but it's like, oh, he has like almost this revelation. He, oh, my God. They, they were addicted to their apps and their pads and their, their cell phones. Mm. And that was the stage before Genesis. And then obviously Genesis became Skynet as such. Now, I know that's fiction and it's science fiction, but, but I mean, the, 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 the Chinese um, and, who are the biggest investors in, in AI as, as it currently stands, uh, America in second position from what I've, I've seen, um, they 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 name their their structure Skynet anyway. So um, there's there's something very almost tongue in cheek about that. Um, there's something quite scary about it as well. But yeah, I mean, what, what do you, you know? What do you, where do you want to look at it? I mean, it's you know the mil- I mean, how it, it's connecting to military. Um, it's connected. It's going to connect to every aspect of our lives. AI is meant to become. It's meant to become yeah. our lives, basically. I think particularly I'd like to stay within today's events. Um, okay. We also talked about masks and robots and how this, um, what is it called, the, the global grid, it, you know, in effect, um, the mass, the mass mm-hmm. mind control. Um, yeah, if, if, if you've got anything to Yeah, yeah. Do well, I wrote a blog about it. Um, uh, uh, it wasn't that. It wasn't. It was a while back now, a couple of months ago, when, when masks were, were being introduced. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I started to 
you know, look look at what robots were and um, and where you know where the idea of a of, of the idea of robots and what I'd, I'd been researching it for the book. There's a chapter in Orion's Door which is about uh, the what I've called human ancient sorry ancient uh, future gods, and uh, I hadn't realised how how much mythology and and more ancient sources were were um, connected to what we would understand as cyborgs and robots. Um, I mean, uh, one way of looking at it, I suppose, is is how far do you have to go into the future until you end up in the ancient world? <laughs> Think about that for a second. Um, it's a loop. I mean, how far do we have to go down this route until we end up in the place that we were before when when everything broke down and we went through a major cataclysmic event and and Atlantis sank or what, how, you know, however you, you want to look at it, but where there was some kind of war with technology involved. Um, I could digress here and go off to different, different points, but um, that there, is, there is something about the ancient world which was advanced in terms of its technology. It, had to, it must have been, otherwise they, they wouldn't have been able to build the pyramids. Mm-hmm. I mean, today they still don't know how those these things have been built. People still scratch their heads. Engineers still have a hard time understanding this, um, the technology that may have been used. Um, I've never bought all the conventional, uh, mainstream, historical uh, views of how... Uh, I, went, I once went to Egypt and the tour guide, I mean, I, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry, he was talking about thousands of uh, um, slaves pulling rocks with rivers of milk. And I'm thinking, is he, is he for real? I mean... <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, th- there was technology in the ancient world, uh, and it may, that technology must have come from somewhere. And um, and in terms of the obsession with the with AI and with masks and all the rest of it today, um, that there is you know that there are connections to a whole range of things. Um, not not least the understanding that what a mask is doing. If you think about it, it is it it's uh, it's basically a, a, a symbol for for um, control and um, sub- subservience. It's actually it's like imagine putting a hand over your mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that really. It's not it's it it's not really about anything but that. People wear masks in all sorts of professions, but they don't wear them all the time. They wear them for whatever period of time they need to for their particular hazardous profession uh, there's something really odd about society that where humans have been convinced to walk around in fresh air day after day in their own cars in some cases which is bizarre i mean that's the most obvious sign of of being um, put under some kind of spell um on, uh, in some kind of mental duress where they 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 actually start to function in the way in which the program is telling them to function. In other words, they've downloaded, we, I must wear a mask all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody like me, I, I, you know, I, I, won't, I won't wear one. I'm not going to wear one. But, but um, some people seem to have bought that particular uh, idea from somewhere. Like I say, it's a download. It's come from somewhere. It's come from the TV. It's come from mainstream media. It's come from the government telling them. But in actual fact, you could, you could actually ignore all of that and you could, you could stand your ground as a sovereign human being. But obviously, people aren't doing that. They're, they're buying into the fear. 
And um, what the mask is doing is is um, is denying their um, their spirituality, their breath. You know, it's denying the true spirit in that sense. It's the breath of life is so important. It's so important for all sorts of neurological reasons or in a physical level. And oxygen is really important. But it's not it's a symbolic thing, isn't it, Sammy? It's about symbolism more than anything. It's about making that image of a uh, what what seem is less human and, and demean it, you know, demeaning the human being where the smile has gone. The facial expression has gone and all you have are the eyes. And that made me think of a couple of movies or TV dramas. And one in particular, we have it, we had in the UK and you may well have seen it in the States. It was literally called Humans. It was a cute Channel 4 and QDOS production where you had synthetic humans. And the only way you could really um, see them was, was their eyes were enhanced. You know, their, their facial expression was irrelevant. It was their eyes. And then, I don't know whether you remember the original Westworld. Do you remember the Westworld with you, the actor, late actor, Yul Brynner? Um, he played a... It, it, there's the modern-day Westworld, which, of course, has been done by um, um, Sky, HSBO. Uh, but the old 1970s um, TV drama stroke film had these robots in it. And it was a theme park where you'd go to basically interact with robots and kill robots. And there was a, a telling, there's a telling poster, the original poster for the uh, for Westworld, where half of your Brenner's face falls off. And, and it's incidentally, it's the bit below the nose. So all you can see is, the, is his eyes. It looks like a, a mask, you know, in itself, symbolically. Um, I made a couple of images years ago of... Um, I created this image of the earth for, a, for one of David's presentations at Wembley. And I had the Hannibal Lecter image uh, of the earth uh, for this kind of psychopathic um, elite. And, um, and obviously you've got the mask on Hannibal Lecter. There's something very dark and disturbing about a masked, a forced masked species. It's, it's um, you know, the humanity taking that on board and doing that especially for something that has been proven. I mean, if you want to go down the route of a virus existing, um, then it's been proven to be not that deadly. Anyway, even, even to, to some mainstream scientists, you know, its recovery rate is in, up, up there in the 96, 97% um, and above. So um, why people are, uh, are believing all of this and, and following everything to the T is because, for me, they are not standing in their own sovereignty and they're not thinking outside of the usual channels of thought, which are coming through mainstream media and um, and the usual sources. You know, it's like boxing boxing humanity into a certain state of mind, and uh, and then feeding them all sorts of crap. And that's what when people stop thinking for themselves and start to live the projection that it, that it, that that's being given to them. So, yeah, it's very worrying. You know, the robot theme is a big theme and, it, and it's, 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 it's going to become more obvious as the years unfold. You know, no matter which way you look at it, um, the idea of AI and, um, and, and virtual... You remember the virtual interactive kinetic intelligence in the movies like iRobot? Do you remember iRobot around the early 2000? It's a Will Smith. It's a Will Smith movie, mm. and um, and there's this there's this um, 
this virtual interactive kinetic intelligence, which is called Vicky for short. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh my goodness, I mean, it's just Alexa, but the next stage on, mm -hmm. or, or, or Siri, the next stage on. That's all it is. Um, it, you know, anybody who's listening to this and who's seen those films, um, how far do you have to go from what we call narrow AI to machine AI into what is then called conscious AI? And things, you know, in the science fiction world, things like Alexa, sorry, not Alexa, uh, Vicky, is basically the third level of AI. And that stuff exists. It's, it's probably around now as we speak, but we're not seeing it in the public, public arena, that's all. Uh, the internet was around in the 1970s, but we weren't seeing it or using it. It was being used, of course, in hidden, uh, you know, hidden aspects of the military, and especially in the States. So, yes, I've, I've been fascinated by all of this, and a lot of this is in the book. And, uh, you know, I've, I've really gone into detail and looked at, Amazing. especially, you know, especially AI and, uh, uh, you know, some of the things yeah. that we've just been talking about. Yeah, and uh, my goodness, you know, this, these things we could talk for hours and days and weeks. I know. But, <laughs> but you know, one thing I want to say also is, um, you know, reading um, David's work and, 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 and watching your lectures and just many other philosophers and thinkers outside of the box, I, you know, just learning these things like, you know, water holds information and, and, and everything is polluted for a reason and, you know, that... 5G towers are really just a part of the kyber grid, kyber grid agenda, and like the vaccine is part of the um, transhumanism. And I mean, it's crazy. Like you say these things to somebody who's never heard lunatic. You know, that's all I am. But you know, to me, it's opening this new way of looking at life. It's it's an experience, and I live in this era, in this body, in in this time, and I came to believe um or allow myself to believe in the past lives that this is an experience this is nothing to fear i mean whatever happened will happen but might as well be open to to life just a bit more rather than what's on tv and so glad it's been three years for me no tv no cable no netflix recently and my goodness life changed drastically i am now with people more i'm now um the information is coming towards me um, mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful and um, yeah if anything I, I would just encourage people to really step outside that box that that mass that it, mass narrative absolutely it's a it's a mind game yeah. Sammy more than anything else it's all about states of mind because if you think about what, what I was saying at the beginning about the idea of the, the physical world the body and the mind and the soul and the spirit what's beyond spirit what, what is there? You know, you, you know, the body exists. People can look, look at themselves, you know, look down at themselves, you know, pinch themselves. Um, do they know, you know, do people really know their, their mind, you know, how they think, how they, how they constantly think? Most people do. Most people know what they think about, but they're not necessarily aware of the repetition. I mean, there's the, is the, it's the old idea of, say, for example, advertising uh, being constantly there just to get people to actually to, to become um, um, interested in purchasing or addicted to certain things. You know, the, the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, subconscious mind is, is, is really where the battle is taking place for how we think and how we manifest. 
um, that the you know that the the cabals or the the cults as David's talked about a death cult, but in the book I'm talking about star cults and and the idea of uh, egg, possibly extraterrestrial influence on Earth, uh, which sounds crazy to most people, but crikey, I mean just, just the idea that the idea that we are the only in, form of intelligence um, is 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 just beyond ludicrous. I mean, it, 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 I mean, if if people can accept that they can speak to a a little box in their room called um, Alexa and it can come up and it's very basic AI, narrow AI, and it can come up with some facts for them. And, and uh, you know, in terms of an intelligent entity, um, then surely, surely there's, you know, without going into great depth, surely there's other intelligence in the universe um, that operates on different frequencies and different realms based on, even based on the, the simplest understanding of quantum physics. There has to be. And so, um, you know, most people don't think beyond the parameters of mainstream life, especially in this world. But you know what? Everybody has the ability to know and to go beyond that if they choose. And I, you know, I said this in a recent interview. I was interviewed um, uh, for, for, for my book uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was saying to the interviewer that... Um, I have great faith in humanity uh, as a as a collective life force, as an intelligence. No matter what you're seeing at the moment around you, no matter how things are, are playing out, there is a greater force at work, and we are part of that force. We are part of that consciousness. And it might seem very dire, and it might seem like people aren't waking up. And next thing you know, you know, like in Australia today. The, the police were announcing on on, um, on Instagram that uh, in South Australia that people weren't allowed to go out of their houses at all because of this pandemic. Mm. Things look dire. It looks like fascism is here, and it's we're right on the the you know the precipice of something that's going to be quite um, dark, and it is going to be dark. And without sounding like a cliche, it's going to get darker, and it's going to get it's going to get more intense. But we're going to, what we're going to do is, as a collective consciousness, as, as, a, um, as a human spirit, we're going to come through it. And we're, you're going to see the world go through great changes from a spiritual viewpoint as well. And I don't mean spirit in terms of religious. I think even the religions have had their day. And there are some beautiful gems of truth amongst all of the religions, of course. But we've got to elevate our, our consciousness to meet that higher level of understanding that we are already a part of, that we already exist. We, we need to be able to do that. But how, how are the masses going to do that, Sammy? How, how are those that are walking around in masks and thinking like, either thinking that there's, there's a terrible virus out there or just plain simple uh, are in fear? How are they going to elevate? What is going to bring them to that realisation? Well, it, it has to be something that, that triggers it. And it may well be a very dark period of, um, of, of something that, that is going to happen to us as a collective. I couldn't say what that is for sure. I've got my own views and ideas. But um, I think we've probably got to go further down the road of can you, can you believe what they're doing now? Can you, can you believe it? Uh, you know, and, and, and next thing you know, you won't be able to go to work or you won't be able to... Um, you know, buy things or purchase things or or even travel without some kind of electronic uh, verification, whatever form that takes. At some point, 
even those that are uh, really asleep might wake up, may, probably will wake up, especially when it means um, the ultimate scenario with history, without history repeating itself, where people are being uh, targeted and they're starting to be targeted now, of course, but where people are being targeted for, for, um, for, for wanting to pursue freedom. And, um, and then the next thing you know, that, that we're living in a global China or, or you know, the idea of a, a, of a, a dictatorship or tyranny then at some point, people do actually break through. You look through history, there's been, there's been a constant theme of things getting bad, things getting bad, and then there's been a breakthrough. I'm not saying that the breakthroughs have always worked forever, but there's been a breakthrough. And there's gonna, something's going to come with this so-called coronavirus, where there's going to be a breakthrough in terms of people seeing through the bullshit that is um, be, being put out there by the... Uh, mainstream media because i've said to people uh, over over the last six months I, I mean i don't i don't know for sure whether there is a virus or not i don't know um that, that people are getting ill but that could be due to radiation it could be due, due to technology and an increasement increasing in emfs especially um fifth generation technology it could be that there is something but wherever there is um like everything else that we've been through as a species, we don't need to build a fascist state to deal with it. And I think that's, that's, where, I think that's where the trigger point will be for people. They're actually going to realise that, wait a minute, we, we, this, this started out here and it's now this. That doesn't add up. And there's more and more people getting it, Sammy. You must see that. I mean, there are people okay. suddenly realising there's much more to this than just um, what they're being told, what they were originally told back in February and March. Absolutely. And I am I'm so happy to see more and more people awake and uh, keeping my heart open and compassion for those that are still struggling and following this fashion. Well, that's a, that's true. You know, that's I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but you hear I mean, the, the idea of opening your heart and your eyes mm -hmm. um, is more important than opening your mind. Yes. Open, having an open mind is crucial. Yes. But having an open heart and, and eyes wide open to see what is really going on are the first stages for, for, for wanting to feel like you're, you're, you're awakening to something. It's so important to have those two going at the same time. You know, a, a, a mind can easily be, an open mind can still easily be fed bullshit, <laughs> to keep it simple. Uh, but but um, an open heart and open eyes uh, then they're always on the lookout for, for things. There's always more to know. There's always other wisdom coming. There's always something around the corner. And uh, it's not always good that's around the corner. Of course not. There's, some, there's always something going to happen that's going to make you um, make a decision in your life that makes you move on to the next stage, um, you know, whatever that is, without getting literal. But, you know, so, for example, somebody that really doesn't enjoy where they live, They've had problems for years. Um, you know, they, they, they want to move on from where they live. They want to leave their property. Say, for example, I'll give you an example. Um, weirdly, they, they, something happens. They might get burgled or something. It's not a nice thing. Of course it's not. It's, it's horrible. But it's that horrible thing that makes them then go, actually, I am going to leave here. Um, and it's, it's almost as though they 
they were party or privy to the creation of the event that makes that is moving them on in terms of their consciousness speaking to them from a higher level and saying it's time for you to now move into this stage of your life or it's now for you now time to see this um you thought this was going on but now look at this and so there's many levels to it isn't there there's so many levels of um awakening it's like a wave yeah as i said at the beginning very true very true i am i'm i feel blessed and i'm so grateful that i i've stepped out out of my matrix that i was in and even if i was there and you know following everything that's going on with passion you know and following the orders that's okay that's my experience but i'm glad i'm not to be the you know to be honest i'm i'm glad i'm on the other side here and i can talk about it and then see it with different eyes that's it's a gift for me yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's lovely when you recognize it within yourself as well you know there's there's real deep heartfelt satisfaction for for knowing where you were and where you are and where you're going and where you were do you know in the comparison between the two it's important mm-hmm. i um i was while i was writing this book i i was i was dealing with a lot of information which starts in the ancient world and then goes into comes into the modern world and it's this, there's a common theme of the stars and artificial intelligence and robots running throughout it and other things. And I, I tried to put, well, I put together this chapter at the end, which um, I called Game Changer Consciousness, Going Beyond the Door, Orion's Door. And um, I, you know, I really, really felt inspired when I was putting this together from a creative viewpoint, because what I was trying to um, do and suggest was a kind of way in which we can recognize stages in our own um, awakening, which relates to manifesting reality or, or, or manifesting the things that, are, that we need around us or, or, you know, manifesting certain things to be able to, um, like I said earlier, move on in life. And I'd come across quite a few books over the years and one little book that I, I remember reading oh, 10 years ago I think it was called 12 Conditions of a Miracle and it was written by a doctor and I can't remember his name it'll come to me I'd have to go and find the book but it wasn't so much him he was a doctor it was, it's a lovely book it was about the actual uh, the ability of the mind to manifest through our own divine connection to all these other levels of reality, you know, the idea of, again, expansion beyond body, mind, soul into spirit and beyond that, that we can draw down to us or, 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 or bring, recognize around us this, this limitless, infinite energy field, which the Gnostics call the Anthropos. You know, it makes up the aura of, um, and the energy fields around every human being, every living entity. And um, I was looking at this and really connecting with it as I was writing. And, um, you know, if, you, if people are going to really make a difference, you know, try, or try and understand who they are or, or try and, 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 and achieve a greater understanding of what's going on in the world, it's really important. And this is just my view. Knowing yourself is one thing, as I mentioned earlier you know, getting to know who you are. is, And that's, that can be done through creativity and all, and all sorts of things. But it's also really important that people focus their attention on um, what they already have. And what I mean by that is that they, they, they're, they're very mindful of, um, through you can call it meditation if you like, but they're very mindful of their thoughts 
and 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 how we can go around sometimes having very negative thoughts in our heads based on uh, a lack of based on fear you know based on all the things that have, that get to us in everyday life based on injustice and other things and by the way i'm not saying it's easy because it's not it's very difficult to do um, there's no magic um, key for shifting that energy in that way but if if we can if, if we if we're mindful of our thoughts and we start to understand that we can we can maximize on our thoughts then we we're starting that's the right at the beginning of the process for for making a difference of the flow of energy around us and, and how we interact with that sea of energy do you know what i'm trying to say it's kind of like it's almost like we're, we're not affected by um the sea of energy we are it therefore we can actually um, not control it but we we can we can use it to manifest and everything around us and this it sounds like a new age cliche and there's been many different new age books written about this you know over the years but I really resonated with it again as I was unpicking this um, this particular last chapter. And the other things to, that I was thinking of was not just focusing, but also giving energy and, and, and also giving love and projecting that freely into the world around us, especially to people that need it. It's almost like, um, but through the act of giving, we release the stagnation of energy around us. It flows then to other people and it flows back to us at the same time. It's almost like a kind of, if you imagine the idea of um, um, the generosity itself is an act of oneness. It actually, it brings us into alignment with everything that we're supposed to be. The idea of, you know, the whole idea of one love, oneness, infinite awareness. So through compassion and generosity, for others, we automatically start to connect with um, uh, something that is, is above the everyday mundane life. I've heard people like David talk about, um, uh, you know, the, the structure, you know, the cement of, of the control, you know, the actual control of, of the darkness that is very much part of this elite and all the kind of invisible structures that are creating so much pain and suffering and division in the world, you know, an illness, like look at what's happening now, for example. And there's this kind of like interconnected, um, uh, you know, sort of um, fear-based or fear-based driven secret societies that are the cement of this structure. But the true cement of the real true human being that's operating at a higher level isn't that. It's understanding the need for compassion and giving that is the real cement that will change that vibration and that field, therefore remove that darkness over time. The more people give and the more people show love towards fellow human beings, the more we understand un unconditional love. It's so, it's so crucial in terms of our um, knowledge of, 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 um, of who we really are. So giving... Focusing, giving, um, grounding that energy as well is important, Sammy, in my view. You know, grounding and actually allowing ourselves to feel connected to our surroundings. Even if your surroundings are, are, are pretty uh, limited or dire, then you can still connect to, the, um, to your surroundings, can't you? And you can make the most of it. 
And I could go on, you know, the idea of then seeing again, as I said earlier, you know, really opening your eyes then um, and, 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 and realizing that there's, you know, there's everything to be grateful for. I think those, those foundations are really important. And then once you're kind of connecting with those things and you, you're, you're making affirmations, I mean, you know, you know what I mean by an affirmation and you're, you're, you're opening your heart to other levels of reality, to the infinite source and all that kind of thing, then I think then once you're, like you've said earlier, when, you're, when you've kind of made that definite decision to move beyond the mundane, through grounding, through, through giving and focus, then usually comes the time to act where you're ready then to vibrate in a different way and put that into action. And that can manifest as, you know, as self-belief, of course, it can manifest as um, um, uh, self-esteem, higher self-esteem for yourself. It could become a project. It could be doing what we're doing now. Does, you, do you see what I'm saying? So it becomes a creative outlet. The action is so important. Because through that action, then you're engaging in this full cycle of energy as it actually comes back full circle and you start to utilize it a little bit. I know it sounds a bit bizarre, but it's a little bit like, um, you know, the force in the Star Wars movies. You know, you start to use that energy. I'm not saying you're going to be people are swinging lightsabers or levitating, but you get the idea in terms of mental capacity and, um, and feeling that engagement in that cycle of energy. Mm. um it, it's a positive thing to do yeah beautiful neil wow what a what a loving um inspiring um end to our conversation and you know what i'm getting from what you just said in the last minutes is can we love one another can we hold one another regardless of our beliefs you know in especially in this time of of our of our lives in the world and very inspiring so thank you and yeah before uh before we said our goodbyes neil um could you tell people where they could find you if they're you know want to buy your books listen to your lectures see your art maybe get in touch with you yeah i mean you just go on the website there's um there's a website called neilhaig.com which is my name and then there's a another website which is my books which is neil Haig books um, dot com and that's it there's two two websites and um, you'll get everything you need to know uh, on those two platforms oh wonderful yeah great uh thank you thank you so much okay. Neil, for being with me today i appreciate you yeah. and what you do you're very welcome it's lovely to talk to you sammy and um, keep doing what you're doing as well it's thank a, you it's a great outlet for people thank it's lovely you. okay okay Hi, it's me again. I have a question for you. Would you like to be on my podcast? Do you or someone you know have a story to tell? Would you like to share your journey with me and inspire others to speak theirs? If so, feel free to contact me through my Instagram and Facebook accounts. You can find me by my name, Sammy Barks. Like the doggy. Woof! <laughs>